Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audiblepodcast.com backslash atomic. Guys. We have such big news. I have such big news, but because we're a team, also Ellie has such big news. It's really big for both of us, I think. Magnolia is sleeping through the night for 12 hours, and we're going to tell you all the details about I finally bit the bullet and I did some sleep training. That is... The hippie did the sleep training. (laughs) That's right. And we also have some other fun topics to discuss. Uh, So, uh, you know, come on in. Sit down. Grab a cup of tea. Or a glass of wine. Probably that. Ah! Woohoo! We're back in the saddle. We are back in the sa- back in the saddle. We're back in the <laughs> sandwich saddle. Uh, yeah. I am Ellie. Not I'm Danka. And um, we're atomic. You guys were. We're Atomic Moms, and we're uh, totally Atomic today. We're trying to figure out doing this via Skype. Yeah. We've done this from our studio. We've done this from our homes. We've done this from a radio station. We've done it from another studio all uh, together. And now we're just trying to figure out how, when we're on the road, we can do this uh, with each other, too. So um, please pardon any little blips or or boops or beeps or words you don't understand because we're, we're just we're, figuring it out. We're getting technologically <laughs> advanced. Yes. And I have to tell you, Bianca, so I, Sabrina has a wonderful sitter and she is younger than me. Yes. And she blows out her hair and it looks so amazing. It looks like it's done professionally. Okay. <laughs> and I'm always asking her like, how is your hair so awesome? And she's like, YouTube videos. I just do YouTube videos. And I was like, okay, well that seems, I watch those too and I'm not able to do it. And she's like, well, I've just been doing it a really long time. You know, I, I had to do my own hair and makeup for prom and stuff. So I did the YouTube videos then. And that's when I started. And I was like, you had YouTube when you went to prom? Like, <laughs> like, It made me feel so old. And my husband jumped in and he's like, I did a paper on the internet superhighway when I was in high school. (laughs) Like, Oh, funny. So yes, we're technically advanced. Yeah. I remember going to my mom's office. She had a little um, business that she was running. It was legal. (laughs) promise she wasn't doing drugs it sounded kind of weird when it came out of my mouth yeah I I just would go and use her word processor to like write a paper and it was like so tedious and uh you know it didn't have a wasn't have a screen or anything it was like you could just see the little electronic word letters and stuff across the little uh, display and I just think like that's that's how I did a paper in high school college um so now they don't even have libraries I know. We actually have a really nice library next to our house. We, and, we have a good one, too. And they have my mom's a, session, remember? Like, oh, that's right. Fourth episode in. They have story hour, which is so cute. Yeah. And we, we yeah, they have story hour at ours, too. And it's it's so awesome. There's, the, there's such a, like, plethora of options out there for Mike and I took. Magnolia, it had been a really long week. We're, we are sleep training people, which we will get into. I can't wait to dive into that. 
tell the whole story, but um, we had a really long week. So Mike was getting off work and we wanted to go do something fun with Magnolia. And so we took her to this little place that's um, near us. And uh, it's just a little play spot. And I just, it's so cool because you feel rejuvenated because you're in, you know, a different environment than just trying to play with your kid in the house. And there's different kids there. So they get to interact with other people. And although it is weird because you do see a lot of different parenting options, I guess. Okay, wait. So Bianca, explain three personality types of parenting or the kids. (laughs) I mean, I can't say like exactly exactly what the types are, but I can kind of tell you what like I I witnessed. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, there's the kid, like the angry child, like the vulnerable <laughs> child that doesn't want anyone to touch them or their toys they're playing with. You know, it's it's really hard to sit in those places and when you see that and and to not be judgmental. Yeah, you're like you look at the kid and you're like, you're gonna be a jerk when you grow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a rock star because I just watched the Kurt Cobain documentary last night. He was an angry kid. I watched kid. that too. Yeah. <laughs> he was an angry kid. Uh, yeah. And I don't know that that's a, even a positive though. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. You rock star and then you die early. Anyway. <laughs> but she like didn't want Magnolia to, t- to touch her. And it, you know, it wasn't just like no and like push away. It was like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like to the point where I, I got a little fearful. Like I was like, maybe yeah. she's Magnolia over to the other side. You know, it was really interesting to watch the mom because clearly the mom was fed up with, she just kind of thrown her hands up in the air. And it was like, she looked at us and she's like, well, it doesn't matter what I say to her because she's not going to listen to me anyway. And I was like, well, then maybe, maybe not bring your children to the other place where they might harm other people. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and then I, and there was another woman uh, on a different day whose child was like that, but she was really involved with her kid. And she would say, let's use our words. You know, what do you want to tell the little girl? And then the little girl would like, no body. And so then it was like, she was saying, I don't want her to touch my body, but it's very interesting. Like it, it's, you wonder, I said to Mike, I was like, I, I certainly don't want to be judgmental about it because I don't know what, why that happens. I don't know why a kid gets that protective of themselves or that angry towards other kids. Um, it could just be, that's a phase they're going through or, you know, yeah. but- I think the territorial stage is pretty intense from what I've gleamed from our times at the park. When a little boy will take all of Sabrina's toys and not let her touch one of his toys. And one time I said, I was like, okay, well, what does she get to play with then? Like I got kind of snotty. <laughs> <I was like. laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, then there are like the completely hands-off parents that like, they've clearly come here to take a nap. Like they're in the corner sitting in the chair and, the, and it's not like the play is really supervised all that much. So by, by anyone else. So it's like you're, if your kid's just playing they're they're not, it's basically up to the other parents. Then the burden falls on you. Yeah, then the burden falls on you. And then and then there's like and then there's the very free spirited parents who like I feel like now again, I could be wrong, but like <laughs> I feel like they come to these places to show off. I love all the judgments coming out. This is great. So <laughs> how do they show off? Because their kids are wearing like cute little hipster clothes with little headbands. No, it's like, you know, everything that the kid does they like say they'll announce it to no one in particular. (laughs) 
but, but it'll be like they are talking to their child, but it's really an announcement to the room. You know, it's like, well, we've talked about your ABCs and your one, two, threes, and we know that you can that you can say all 10 numbers, and it's great that you can do that, but for now, we're going to sit here and we're going to play with this little toy, and I'm like, none of that information was important for anyone. I know you're way too advanced for this, but right now, we're going to, yeah. Yeah, it's just the talking out loud. Oh, I can't uh, wait for preschool. Like, I'm going to get to witness all of this. It's going to be speaking so of preschool, we are just now setting up some preschool t- tours, which mm-hmm. I mean, I know I am on top of it enough that I realize like that's a thing where you have to apply earlier, but I didn't realize it was like two years earlier. <laughs> right. It's nuts. And I got really scared because there's this little school down the street from us that we were thinking about was like a no brainer because everyone in our neighborhood goes there. And then there's two little girls on our street who are a year older than Magnolia. And they didn't get in because their parents waited too long to go do the tour and to apply. And I'm like, I think you should definitely send a love line reel over to them. so They can hear what (laughs) Magnolia Moon's father talks about every night on, uh, national nationally syndicated what are they on is it serious what are they on it's on uh well it's nationally syndicated so it's on whatever the affiliates are in each each, um city so um yeah but but, i mean it's it's nuts yeah it's nuts so i'm gonna let them know on the application that you have a parenting podcast oh that's something you're gonna keep secret i don't know I don't know. I say I'll, maybe I'll say our parenting podcast um, will speak about you depending on wh- which way you decide on my daughter. Not that it we'll matters. We'll free advertising to whichever preschools except our children. <laughs> well, apparently they don't need it. They don't no, need. They, you're right. They don't need it. Advertising. It's intense. Um, it's expensive. So yeah, we're filling out a preschool application recently, and one of you know these questions are like. What what is your child's favorite activity outside? And it's just you're supposed to say one thing. And so then my husband and I are like figuring it out because there's a lot of things she likes to do. But then each thing, you know, it's like it's so funny because you're kind of trying to figure out what you should say. Right. Which is weird because these children aren't even potty trained and you feel like you're applying to Harvard or something. You're like... I'm like, she loves walking around the neighborhood looking for dogs and babies. But then it became a thing about how we wanted to explain that she likes to walk around the neighborhood herself, like holding my hand or whatever, but she's not getting pushed in a stroller. But then that seemed awkward. And then I liked the idea, like she's always pulling my flowers out of the flower bed and like digging in the dirt. And then I'm like, oh, but does that make me sound uptight or does that make her sound like an animal? Like it's just you start... (laughs) spiraling and about it's nuts because you're you're thinking yeah you're and and by the way they're two or one like do they have a favorite thing yet not really so it could be any number of things yeah I mean, oh, another question was like what do they do when they're worried or anxious or like what makes them worried or anxious and and i don't know like she doesn't get very worried or anxious but if you leave it blank it sounds like you're lying I don't, it was just a fun, you're, yeah, you start 
I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It's strange also to try to describe your child's personality. Like I can say pretty clearly what I, what I think it is right now. But then part of me is like, I shouldn't be defining my kid because she could be different tomorrow. And I'm trying to get better about not sort of projecting to her what I think her personality is. Do you know what I mean? Because you wonder sometimes like, what is your, you know, if you're the extrovert in the family or you're the class, you know, if you're the clown in the family, then then that kind of sticks with you forever and you sort of take on that role even if you've outgrown it, right? Right. So trying not to define my kid, I will put it out there. I get that this is like crazy town spiraling (laughs) that maybe a few mothers listening out there will be like, yeah, me too, hopefully. (laughs) But it's like, it's so silly. It's just an application. (laughs) It's just an application. Well, and, and, you know, I've been reading uh, some of the blogs and they, they say there's no rhyme or reason to who they accept and who they don't accept. And I don't know. I mean, it's just so crazy. I'm seriously was like, well, now I kind of understand why some people homeschool. Okay, Bianca, I listened to an awesome podcast this morning. It wasn't one of ours, but it was Freakonomics. Yeah. And they've got, you know, I think they have three books now, but they have a podcast. um, And I was listening to the one that is called Think Like a Child. No. Um, And it came out on May 22nd, I think. So it's in their recent archives. And I listen to podcasts a lot on Stitcher, actually, which is an app um, where you can just stream it. But anyway, so Think Like a Child. And it was so cool because it starts off by talking about how um, they have a magician come in and they have adults and they have kids watching the magician. And the kids are way more likely to figure out why, how the magician did the trick. Do you have any ideas why? Or how the kids are better at it? Uh, God, but no. <laughs> okay. So adults are much more focused in, in the way that they see the world and in their thinking. Yeah. And so it's easier to pull their focus to the thing that's not actually the, the trick. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, totally. So, no. Whereas little yeah. kids are like looking everywhere and they're so easily distracted that it's much harder to hide things from them, which I thought was hilarious. And then, I love that. so then they talk to a professor named Allison Gopnik, and she studies uh, psychology and philosophy at the University of California at Berkeley, and she studies young children's minds, okay? And she's written a book called The Philosophical Baby, and The Scientist in the Crib is another book she wrote. And so you guys should listen to the podcast so you can hear her talk. But what was really cool is she talks about how she... Um, got a letter from a reader who said he was a store detective and that, um, and I'm reading this from their transcript now, but he said that one of the things he'd do is as a store detective is he'd perch up on top of a balcony on top of the store floor. And then he'd look at what people were doing below him. He said, what would happen is you'd see people walking along this floor and they'd be holding the hand of a three-year-old and the three-year-old would look up and would see him on the balcony and wave and say hello. And the adults never did that. It never even occurred to the adults to look up on the balcony and see what was there. (laughs) And what was crazy was, so I listened to this podcast and then I took Sabrina to Trader Joe's, which she loves to be like, Joe's. Because she likes the stickers and the monkey um, that's on the wall. And I was pushing her around in the cart. And she kept saying a word that I didn't know what she was 
I had no idea what she was talking about. I thought she wanted sausages or something. <laughs> and finally I looked up higher and there was a little stuffed monkey perched up above all the produce. And yeah. it was something that, again, it, like over a sign. And it was the kind of thing, again, that like parents or adults would never notice. But she's looking at everything, right? And so then, right. she, like in that sense of wonder, she spots the little monkey up top that I'm so you know, focused on my, what's going on right around me that I'm totally oblivious to. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was thinking about it the other day, um, when I was driving down the street to my house and the whole street is lined with palm trees. the really tall ones that are all kind of the same height going all the way down. So it's this really kind of grandiose vacation effect. (laughs) And, um, I was thinking I drive this street every day. And I was thinking about how when I was a kid and we would like, we went to California one time, um, my dad had business down here. And so we came down with him and they took us to Disneyland. And I remember that feeling or when you go to, um, Mexico or you go somewhere tropical and there's palm trees and you immediately feel like you're on vacation. And I was like, but I live somewhere where there's palm trees and not only are there palm trees? There's palm trees literally lining the street I drive I, down to go I, home. And I have two palm trees in my front yard. Yeah. And I don't ever think about it because the the leaves are so high up. Yeah. Like I'm completely oblivious. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> like that's weird. I have palm trees in my front yard. I've never yeah. even thought about it. <laughs> and I was like, I never even have that feeling of really where I live because I don't even look at these trees when I drive home because it's just become it just becomes static, right? It just becomes a thing that's there that you don't acknowledge. Um, and I think that's so true. It's like kids are there to kind of point out everything and they notice everything. And, um, it was so cute last night, uh, Adam was taking a shower and we were on the bathroom together and Adam was washing his face. And I saw Sabrina walk over to the, we have like a full length mirror, um, actually this is pretty great. If anyone's doing construction on their bathroom, do a full length mirror and then make the area right behind the mirror, a medicine cabinet. So we have like a full length medicine cabinet, which I've had to now empty out most of because we have a toddler. But anyway, she went to the <laughs> mirror and she started, um, massaging her face and her neck and her forehead. And I was talking to her about something else, but she, because she had seen, she could see her dad in the mirror doing that action she was mimicking him oh wow it's just crazy how many things they pick up on that when we're oblivious to it yeah and I'm like oh god you know every little thing I do she's taking it in yeah oh yeah they're they're little sponges um do we want to do we want to take a break and then launch into the um sleep training I love it I can't wait. Um, I know. And by the way, I've quit coffee for now. How long? Forever. Yes. Um, But I feel like I'm going to need a cup after we talk about this. (laughs) We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. BoxyCharm is a beauty subscription box that sends you full-size products ranging from cosmetics, skincare, hair care, and more for only $21 a month plus free shipping with no long-term commitment and you can cancel at any time. You guys, other companies send sample sizes, but BoxyCharm sends you full-size products from popular brands such as Tarte, Cosmetics, 
NCLA, Oscar Blondie, and Cargo Cosmetics. I love Cargo. Okay, BoxyCharm promises a total value of $95 or more each month. It also offers exclusive member-only offers and giveaways from the best brands. Subscribers can receive loyalty points to redeem extra goodies for their box. You guys, it's perfect for treating yourself, wives, girlfriends, mom, friends, podcast partners. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> if you're if you're still not sold, I mean, come on, Atomic Moms, aren't you sold? Uh, just search Boxy Charm on YouTube to access thousands of unboxing videos. Ooh, I'm intrigued, Bianca. I'm going online right now. I'm going to do it. Y'all, you might remember a few weeks ago when I did my birthing story for the podcast and I went on and on at the beginning about (laughs) audible.com. I mentioned that I've listened to every book ever while pushing Sabrina up and down the hills in our neighborhood. Uh, Got through the goldfinch. So anyway, this is crazy because that was just me gushing and now they're actually a sponsor. Um, I feel like, Bianca, this would be what you would call, uh, what do you call it? Kismet? What? Kismet? Or like when you bring something into your life? I manifested this. Oh, you? yeah. It was a manifestation. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So here's (laughs) what I'm listening to on Audible right now. Uh, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, um, which is wonderful. Super spiritual, hippy-dippy. It's about all the voices in your head. So I'm listening to The Untethered Soul. I'm also listening to No Bad Kids by Janet Lansbury which is wonderful. It's sort of the Rye Method, and it's about disciplining with toddlers. And then one of my favorite books that I listened to, though, was Born Standing Up by Steve Martin. And my favorite part about that was it was narrated by Steve Martin. And that's what I think is, like, the coolest part about Audible is if you hear the writers, well, sometimes, you know, they have, like, fancy people's voices on it. Like, if I ever have a memoir, Bianca will read it for me. But they have... um, You know, like Nick Offerman, who you guys know from Parks and Recreation, he had Paddle Your Own Canoe, and he reads it himself, which I think is really special. Um, Check out especially the Steve Martin one, though. It's really, really uh, touching. Okay, you guys, so Audible is offering you, our listeners, a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. So all you got to do is go to audiblepodcast.com slash atomic and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. You get to download a title free and just start listening. And it's really, truly that easy. So just go to audiblepodcast.com slash atomic. That's audiblepodcast.com slash atomic and get started today. Okay, we're back. Bianca, I'm ready for this story because this has been a story that I think our listeners have been following along um, for months now. Yes, so we finally sleep trained the Magnolia. And yeah, it 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 had to be done. And it was it was really interesting because as everyone knows, I, I really struggled with it. Over many podcasts, it became a it became a subject that we talked about um, quite a bit. And, and for our new listeners, she is thirteen months. She's almost almost fourteen. She'll be fourteen months next week, and she, you know, it just I think finally, like I had a couple of friends that said to me, like, "You'll know when the time is right," and that is so true. I mean, I think like that that is the most important lesson that I took away from this whole experience is that. You have to do it when you are ready, not when you think other people are going to judge you because you haven't done it by or not when you, you know, feel like. I'll interject and say, or other people judge you because they think you did it too early because we did it at three months and that was right for us. Yeah. 
Exactly. I mean, it's so you've you've just got to do it when you're ready to do it. And I feel like the reason why it was so successful for us was because I was ready and Mike was ready and Magnolia was ready. I mean, we, so for those of uh, listeners who may be new and don't know, we co-slept with Magnolia um, pretty much since day one. I tried putting her in a bassinet initially. It just never felt right. And everyone seemed to be getting more sleep because she was, she would, you know, nurse freely throughout the night. And I actually got really good sleep for the first like six months. Um, And then somewhere, I think around the four month mark, we did actually move her to her crib just for the beginning of the night. And she would, so she would go down at like 637 and then she would sleep there until about two or three in the morning. And then she would wake up and she would come into the bed and then I would feed her and we would fall asleep through the rest of the night. Well, around eight months, we went on vacation and she started some pretty major teething. And that was the end of that. She would wake up, we'd put her down around, you know, six or seven. She would wake up basically every hour in the hour until we would bring her into bed with us. And then... And you were putting her to sleep before she'd hit the crib, right? Like you would oh, rock yeah. her back I to was, sleep. I was essentially nursing her to sleep. Um, and if I didn't nurse her to sleep, we were rocking her to sleep in our arms. And then once she fell asleep, we would, we'd put her in the crib. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny because Sabrina just could never, I mean, that was like disarming a bomb or something. <laughs> put her down while she was asleep and not have her wake up. Well, it started to get really tricky and she started not, we, it started to become where I used to be able to just put her down and she would go right back to sleep. And this was like three or four times of putting her down. She'd wake up, we'd pick her back up. I'd rock her to sleep. I mean, it's fine that you're sleeping would just like when, when we would hit those stages of teething or if she was sick and you, you know, you're gonna have to go in multiple times at night to soothe. Did you find that like I couldn't sleep the rest of the time because I like had one ear open or I'd be like, oh, I know I'm just going to have to wake up again in an hour. Yeah. Well, and also also Michael works at night and he usually leaves for work around 9 p.m. And so what really sucked was that those couple of hours that we used to have that were our time to cuddle and watch TV and have dinner together – they became us literally tiptoeing around with like our ear essentially pressed to her door every so often to be like, is she stirring? You know, it, it was the dread, that yes, dread. That's, of- it. that's the dread. It keeps you up. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's like? It's to me, it's kind of like when you know you have a 5 at 5 a.m. flight or something and you're like, I'm yes. going to miss the alarm. I got to keep checking the clock. Yes, exactly. That's such a great way to, to describe it. It's it, that's it totally. And then the last like three months, honestly, just became ridiculous. Like I was basically going to bed at about 9 PM every night. So I could just get in my bed with her because once she was in bed with us, she slept. Um, I mean, she slept okay. She, she would still wake up, but I could put her right back to sleep with, you know, on the boob. So, but, but she was also starting to like thrash and, um, she was starting to sleep horizontally in the bed. And so Mike couldn't even get in the bed. So Mike was coming really, home. This birth. is like really giving me a tummy ache right now. I'm getting acid <laughs> reflux just hearing about this. I know. And it's like, it's just funny how much you'll put up with because at the same time, like I just loved the cuddle times and I love that should be our like mom bomb. It's funny how much you'll put up with. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so true. I mean, but also I, I, waking up with her in the morning was so special. And, um, you know, I really feel like she's so loving and she's so like at the park, we were laughing the other day. She's like the park ambassador, like every kid that walks Aww. through the door, she hugs. And, yeah. um, you know, so you, you do, you tell yourself all these reasons why it's okay. Like this is, she's like this because of that, you know? And, um, That's so then, it, the, the, it was really great to have Jennifer um, Wahlberger on the show when we did the Sleep Easy Solution um, and uh, Call Mom a Happy Baby because she kind of put the bug in my ear. I know. And- it was so great because when I found her, I was like – I think I Googled like what is the most – um, I think like most humane way to do sleep training because I knew if we had someone on who talked about it, like it needed to be like, what is the hippiest version of sleep training there is? And, and yeah. she's what came up. And also because all these other moms at pump station had talked about her in the book, but uh sleep easy solution. But yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. It, well, it was very, it was very helpful. And I, and I think, you know, she, then I saw her at a little gathering at your house and she just kind of grabbed my hand and she said, you know, whenever you're ready, I'm here for you. And I was like, I think I'm ready. Um, I I just wasn't even enjoying going out at night. Like if I, you know, once in a blue moon, when I would go to have a dinner or do something like I spent that whole time feeling guilty because I knew the poor babysitter was dealing with her not sleeping. And that's an awful feeling. That's a horrible feeling. So I called her up and we talked a lot and at first was just kind of making a plan and what do we feel comfortable doing? And she was like, I really want you to make sure that you are ready, that this is, you know, that you want to do this. And I said, I want to do it. So she came over and we had a two hour consult and we just talked about all of Magnolia's habits. And she said, you know, first of all, I think what's happening is number one, which is what she talked about on our podcast is that Magnolia is falling asleep on us and then being put down in the crib. And then when she cycles up again for a lighter sleep um, cycle, she is waking up and realizing, oh, I am not on mommy or um, papa's shoulder anymore. I'm now in the crib. I'm all by myself. Oh, somebody get me out of here. You know, so that's what was happening. And then we talked a lot about energy and specifically my energy and the fact that Anytime I was putting her to sleep, my thoughts were always like, oh God, I hope she goes down. I hope this time it works. It was, so it was, there was anxiety there because I, I wanted so badly that hour or two to myself before I knew she was coming in to sleep with us. And what's funny is you had said before to me, which was really helpful about that you would do a body scan and then release any tension from that part of your body. And I started doing that, and that was crazy helpful. Like, I've noticed, because, you know, when you have a two-year-old, or I love that I she's not two. She's 19 (laughs) months. she almost 20 months? She would, she's got all these new tricks in her bag about what she needs to fall asleep. And she'll always say, poop, poop. And then we think she's got to go to the bathroom. So then we take her to the potty. And, of course, she doesn't. Like, she's just so sneaky, right? And so – yeah. I get more and more amped up about how it's past our 7.15, you know, bedtime and I get more and more amped up. So I think about you all the time about like, you got to do the, the release, scan the body. Right. And what I kind of do is I'll play, (laughs) I'll play dead. I'll play possum. (laughs) So I'll lay on the ground (laughs) pretend like I'm going to sleep and then she'll cover me with a blanket and I'll be like, mommy's really tired. Mommy's going to go night, night. Do you want to go night, night? And then that'll be the shift. But I basically have to give up. Like I have to. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. I have to give up so that she will 
and I have to make her think that I'm going to sleep. So she's, so she doesn't have FOMA because toddlers have a serious case of fear of missing out. And also energetically it does, it changes it for me. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the big wake up call for me was when that wasn't working anymore. Like yeah, we're yeah. even just releasing the tension. Well, no, cause I you was, know you're going to have a nightmare night ahead of you. Yeah. It was clearly so embedded in me at this point, but like it wasn't. And you know, honestly, Ellie, the biggest thing for me that was really hard was that, um, you know, we had our nanny, um, who, and the new one who started in, um, February with us and, she was able to put Magnolia down and Magnolia would stay down and I couldn't. Yeah. By and- the way, that is such BS. We have to take one moment to just talk about how what BS that is. I have a wonderful sitter on the weekends on Saturday nights. She's a rock star. I mean, everyone that we have ever come in with Sabrina is awesome. But I, her first time putting Sabrina down for a nap – I was like a little nervous about it because Sabrina's got all these rituals and she's got me wrapped around her little finger. (laughs) And I was like, well, I, you know, good luck. She hasn't been wonderful with naps lately, right? The sitter puts Sabrina down for the nap and Sabrina napped for like two hours and 40 minutes. (laughs) I was so mad. (laughs) I know. It's so aggravating and it, and it makes you feel like I imagine naps when I'm paying someone to watch her. Like (laughs) it's amazing. I mean, honestly, this is kind of a crass way to compare it, but I swear to you, this is what it feels like. I feel like it's what men feel like when they can't get it up. Like (laughs) it made me feel like my mojo was broken. But you know, here's what I have. I have a feeling what Jennifer Waldberger would say. And, um, she will, she can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, or, or my spin on sort of what Jen's philosophy would be is that she would, she wants to be with you and that's the difference or that's how oh, I yeah. spin it and in I, my head. And right? I, under, I understand that. And you are totally right. But at the same time, it's like, I was always able to know the secret thing to do to get her to go to yeah. sleep, to get her to calm down or, and suddenly I was at a loss. Like I couldn't even figure out naps and I, it just was so weird to have that that knowledge and that, that ability to just seemingly slip through my fingers. So we made the decision with Jen, we were doing some traveling. So the, so the start date would be when we got back from a a lot of our traveling um, so that we have consistency at home. And, you know, Jen presented us with two options. One was that we could sit in the room um, in a chair near the bed while she fell asleep, uh, and reassure her, or we could, or we could leave her and go outside. And for me personally, I just kind of checked in with myself and I felt like we had been so hands-on with her that leaving the room felt wrong for See, us. This is interesting because I would think if I were in Magnolia's shoes and her little taught her little baby shoes, seeing my parents sit in a chair staring at me while I'm trying to fall asleep would make it harder for me to fall asleep. <laughs> well, we didn't stare. We didn't stare at her. And okay. what did um, you stare? What did you do? Tell me. Let me set up the beginning okay. and then I'll tell you exactly what. So, so we, so we decided this is what we'll do. And then Jen said, you know, you can, you can pick her up and reassure her if that feels right to you. But if it may make her more upset. And I agreed. I thought picking her up or actually physically touching her would make her more upset. So we agreed upon the night. We agreed upon the schedule. We agreed upon, I was also going to start weaning that obviously the night feeds. So the first couple nights, oh my God, this part terrified me that I was going to have to go back in at predetermined times and feed her. And I'm like, but if I've gotten her asleep, then I just want her to stay asleep. Like, I don't, right. I don't, 
could go in there and have him wake her up. But Jen, Jen promised she, she said, you know, she may not even wake up. She may just, you know, do like a dream feed. And, um, so we had our plan and we were getting ready and I started talking to Magnolia about it. And I just started saying, you know, in a couple of days, you're going to sleep all night in your bed and mama and papa are going to sleep all night in theirs and everyone's going to be happy because we're going to finally get some good sleep. And, you know, I just started trying to say all of this stuff. And it was so crazy because she started nodding a lot when I was telling she would nod like this. And then um, she was really listening and seemed like she was totally into what I was saying. And then, and then we kind of, and then the, the other funny thing about it was uh, there was a couple people that I told leading up to the night that we started where I was like, Oh yeah, we're starting sleep training. And they were like, Oh, I really feel for you. And I was like, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be that bad. That and- also reminds me of people being like, Oh, you're about to give birth. Oh, I really feel for you. Yeah. yeah. And like, don't project your experiences onto yeah. me. Well, and then when I would say like, I don't think it's going to be that bad, they would just laugh at me. And I just was like, and it was interesting because the, one of the last things I asked Jen before we started was I said, have you ever had anyone who, who had a kid who didn't cry, who just did it? And she said, I had one woman and that one woman, she cleared her energy out so good. She was so centered and with it and present. And that baby just went to sleep and So I was like, okay, so I think what was really good about that story for me was that it told me how much this was on me and not on Magnolia. And really fast, I want to interject and say, I think the energy stuff is super important, but I don't want any moms listening out there to think that because their baby cried, that that's on them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I hear what you're saying, but I also have this like, well, sense of being like, wait, but, but there are like some babies. Crying. No, listen, listen, there, there is, there definitely is uh babies cry. I mean, that happens. Um, but I will tell you that that is exactly what Jen said and that your yeah. success rate with sleep training depends 100% on your energy and the energy you bring into the room. So if you are having a horrific time. It is based on a story you are telling yourself about what sleep training is and what it's doing and what it means. Um, and so, because, so essentially I'll, I'll just explain in, you know, nutshell kind of the first night that that I told I'm on board with that for sure. Yeah. And you know, I'm on board with it anyway. Like I'm into all this energy stuff. I just don't want a mom you know, internalizing that it's like all her fault or something. Well, and I don't think you can think about it now. Some babies are like hypersensitive. Do you know what I mean? Some babies babies are hypersensitive. And some, you know, it's like every kid is different too. But I would say that you've got, you don't, how about this? Like if your energy is not calm, then there's no chance. How about that? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's, and, 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 you know, I mean, that's what was really interesting about our, so our, our experience of it, the first night, uh, we had our little ritual that we did with her that we have done every single night since we got ready. We decided that I was going to be the one to do it because Mike is just too sensitive to that stuff. And he uh, starts to worry. You know, he's like that way with our dogs. It's like he just can't take it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'll be the one to do it. So I did her little pre-bed ritual. We got her, you know, ready. Uh, I read her a story. We kissed all her animals goodnight. I set her down in the bed and I shut off the lights. And I decided to sit on the floor. That felt more organic to me. Uh Um, 
And I sat on the floor and I said, mama loves you. I'm here. You're going to go to sleep now. I'm not leaving until you fall asleep. And then even if you do wake up, I will be in the next room. And I sat down. Well, of course, immediately she started to cry. But here's the thing. It was actually less intense crying than she's done when we've been holding her, trying to rock her to sleep. So right off the bat, I was like, oh, this is doable. Like she's not even wailing the way that she wails when I've got her in my arms sometimes. And um, I started reassuring her because Jen said I could reassure her at intervals. And I just kept my eyes closed and I sat in a very kind of meditative pose. And it was really hard not to laugh because first of all, I never realized how big her crib was. And she was, it reminded me of like prisoners in the yard. Uh-huh. Like she was like storming down to each end, like, oh. <laughs> like, like, how do I get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I realized <laughs> that it felt reassuring her felt like it was making it worse. And also I felt like it was not allowing me to be calm. And so I just, I closed my eyes. I just made the decision. I'm just not going to speak. And I closed my eyes and I focused on my breath and I actually just started to meditate a little bit and still be present with her. And I just envisioned a peaceful kind of bubble of, of energy around both of us, you know, just kind of holding the space. And I think it was 10 minutes of kind of crying and stopping and crying. And then all of a sudden I just heard her like go silent. And I like looked out of the corner of my eye and she was just standing just still in the crib. And then she plunked down and put her head down and snuggled up to her little lovey that we had in there with her, a little stuffed animal. And she cried a couple more times just in that position. And then she was out. And I was like, I I mean, is this, (laughs) and So I crept out of the room and she stayed asleep until 1030 and that was 730. So that already was unheard of because she was usually woken up by like 839. At 1030, I went, I was like, I couldn't believe I had to go in and feed her and wake her up. So at 1030, I went in, I picked her up. She kind of stirred. I fed her for the allotted amount of time. And then I put her back down and she cried for maybe two minutes, if that, and then she passed out again. She stayed asleep the whole time until the 2.30 feed. At the 2.30 feed was pretty much the same with even less crying. And then that little munchkin stayed asleep in her crib until 5.30 in the morning. And then she started to stir a little bit. And, uh, you know, I let her kind of put her, she, if I didn't go in, she just kind of put herself back down. And at 6.30, I went in and I got her out. And she gave me this huge smile and reached for me. And she was so excited to feed. And I was so excited to see her. I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen you all night. (laughs) And we had this lovely little cuddle session in the rocking chair feeding her. And then we played in her room. And then I called Jen Wahlberger and I just kind of retold the story of what had happened. And Jen said, you know, you need to tell this story because you need to reframe for people what they think sleep training is. And it can be this way for everyone. If people would just understand you can't down spiral because there are so many places there where like when I first sat down and she started to wail and cry and I was like, Oh, here we go. And you know, it's easy to take yourself in that direction and say like, this is terrible. I can't believe we're doing this. This is so awful. And then another moment was when I went out after the first time, Michael, who was not in the room with me and Magnolia said, Oh my God, that was torture. And I said, babe, it 
it really wasn't that bad. I mean, like you've heard her cry harder when you've been holding her, trying to put her down. And he goes, you know what? You're totally right. And Jen said, that's another place. Like when your partner engages and makes you feel like, wow, that was really bad. And then you are like, Oh my God, you're right. You're right. You know, it's like, there's so many places where we can spin out of control based on the story we're telling ourselves instead of realizing I'm the one who dictates the energy. I'm the one who's making this choice because I know it's best for everyone. And I'm going to sit here and hold the space for all of us and choose this to be as easy as it can be for everyone. I'm telling you that, I mean, we've, we've had some little bit of struggles only because she's teething in the middle of this. And so, you know, we've had a couple nights where she's woke up a little bit more, but it's never been now from the second night on, it's never been more than at the most a minute of crying and never the kind of crying that she used to do. And not last night, but the night before she slept from 6.30 PM to 6.30 AM. Woohoo! Yes! Did it, mama. Um, I, I wonder if I wonder if Magnolia, too, has this sense of relief. Because I wonder if, especially at that age, if she almost felt like it was her job to wake up and to get taken into the bedroom. Like, that's the routine, right? And so it was like, to, to sort of be off the hook with that and be like, oh, I can just stay in my bed all night. Right. It's and, like, well, and I need to get the 12 hours of sleep. Also, Jen said something to me that made me feel really good. And that was, she knows that you have made this decision and she knows that she's looking to you to show her the way. And so it's like, instead of me being the basket case that was feeling guilty every time I was grabbing her and pulling her into the house, into the bed, because I didn't know what else to do and really losing my mojo as a mother, because I felt incompetent. I felt like I wasn't able to make choices because I didn't know what I was doing. I, I feel like I'm mom again. I feel like I am capable of making like, even when, so now like our naps are all over the place because she's in the middle of sleep training also apparently she decided it's time to transition to one nap a day from two and so the naps have been crazy but like it gave me that feeling back of i can do this and it and even with the naps being all over the place it's like all right cool we're only napping 30 minutes for the first nap we'll see how the next nap feels you know and figure out if we can do a motion nap if we can go but like i know everything's going to be okay because i know I am capable of taking it on. And she knows everything's going to be okay because you're top dog again. Exactly. And I I feel like that's, you know, um, coming from that place now, I didn't realize how how bad I felt not knowing what to do. Um, And I I would love for you to talk a little bit about sort of what your preconceived notions were about not just sleep training, but about what that would do to your kid. Because – Earlier, you mentioned that she, at the park, she hugs every kid that comes in. And and it sounds like you're sort of associating that personality trait with the fact that you guys co-sleep. Well, and that's, and that's exactly right. I mean, I think it's like, I think I said that earlier. It's like, I, I came up with all these reasons why we needed to continue doing that because look at who she is as a person. Now it's, it's very possible that Magnolia is super loving and cuddly because she was loving and cuddly with her parents for a large portion of the first part of her life. But it doesn't mean that she wouldn't be that way if we didn't do that either. It could, who knows? I mean, that's, that's so interesting. It's weird. I mean, it's just interesting. You wonder what, I wish we could have 
two versions and run these like crazy illegal experiments. (laughs) But I, um, but I think point, I think the point that I've learned through going through this is that I also think that at this, at the same time that you tell yourself like, well, this is the reason to do this because I think my daughter is who she is because we chose to do this, this way. I also think that you have to look at your relationship with your spouse or significant other, your relationship with your child in terms of, I could co-sleep with Magnolia till kingdom come. And it wasn't going to be a positive experience much longer because I was starting to feel resentful about it. And I think that's the key is like, when you realize this isn't working for whatever reason anymore, if it be that you're not getting enough sleep, your husband or your um, wife isn't getting enough sleep, your bed is whatever the not getting enough sleep the child's not getting enough sleep if it's if it's that you're missing out on a time of connection between you and your significant other whatever that may be if there's some reason that it's starting to feel like it's not working then explore that because there's i just think whatever your choice is for sleeping setup if it's taking away from you guys in in any way it's probably not the right setup anymore because I mean, you know, our it relationships have to be that hard. It just doesn't, I mean, it does no. not have to be that hard and we put up with so much. And, and if you do have a sleep training book that doesn't work or you're hesitant about it, just look at, look, there are so many different ways of doing it. Um, and people need to realize like, oh, just because this worked for me, doesn't mean it'll work for someone else. Like, and, and then pick and choose from what, what you did. Well, we did the 12 hours like, and 12 weeks book and it worked for us. We did the dream feed. We pulled the dream feed. She was at a great weight and she, um, I was very careful that during the day she got enough as, you know, plenty of calories so that it wasn't an issue that she was able to sleep through the night. But if that, but that same book to someone else would just bother them. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, figure out. Yeah. There's and so I, many resources now. There's so many resources and also the resources and also, you know, your child. And I think that's what is so hard to kind of wrap our minds around because what I love like about your and my stories being different is like you knew in, when you checked in, when you had your feeling, it's like, it felt, it feels better for me to be out of the room. Sitting there would make my child feel this way. That's, that's what I get when I connect with myself. That's how you felt. I felt the opposite. And, and that's such a great example of where, you know, your relationship with your child, everybody's relationship is different. It's so funny. It it always cracks me up now when she will, when Sabrina goes to sleep now, there are times there are times still like when she'll sort of blow me a kiss when it's super sweet and I get to leave. And there are times when she will be very resistant to falling asleep and then I'll put her down and then she'll want me to rub her belly and there's a million, th- yeah, you know, kiss all the stuffed animals, whatever. <laughs> and then she'll sort of start this cry when I, right when I'm about to leave. And she gives this like, I mean, it's heartbreaking because she'll do this, like reach out for me. <laughs> she'll be laying yeah. down and all uh-huh. cuddled up, but she'll like reach out and just this look of like, don't leave me. And I think, Oh God, she's going to cry forever. Right. I yeah. shut, if I can rip the bandaid off and just shut the door. It's so funny. Cause in like 10 seconds, there won't be a peep yeah. Look at the monitor and she'll be like rubbing Elmo's back or something. And then she'll be out cold. And I'm yeah. like, wow, I'm actually creating more of an issue 
by lingering and trying to fix things and, you know, I'll be the one to draw it out forever because I feel guilty about leaving. Yeah. When really she's fine. She's doing this so that I stay there. And then the second I'm gone, she's perfectly content and falls asleep. Yeah. And, and, you know, Magnolia has actually been more affectionate with me in the last week since the sleep training. And Michael was even commenting on it because she's very in the morning, I'll go into her room and I, after I feed her, we get down on the floor. And like, that's the thing, my energy and my want to be there and to be with her and be present with her is so intensified because I haven't had her body suction to me all night long. Um, and so like we get down on the floor and she brings me books and we read and she like nuzzles into my neck. And then like, I was, I almost fell over. She full on planted kisses on my face, um, one morning without me asking or anything. And I was, and you know, that was my biggest fear, Ellie. My biggest fear was that I was going to lose that affectionate connection with her if I, if I sleep trained her and the thing is it's increased. And so, you know, that's, that's the thing is like, we, I think we tell ourselves all these stories of like the things that we are fearful of happening or that we think are going to happen. And the fact of the matter is, is that like when you're protecting your relationship with your significant other, when you're protecting your relationship with your child, because they're getting better sleep and you're getting better sleep, it, it's just, it's night and day. And I, and I, you know, I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't have done it any earlier because I feel like this was honestly the right time for us. Yeah, of course. Um, but I also, and also like how great that like Jen came into your life because of the podcast yeah. and you found the right way. Like it makes yeah. sense. Like this was the time. Yeah. So um, you guys, if anybody has any questions about the sleep training process and um, you want something specifically, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook because um, either Ellie or I can answer, um, you know, how we did something maybe a little differently or um, recommendations. You know, I know because I had so many questions and I'm really lucky to have Jen as a resource, but her book is fantastic, uh, The Sleep Easy Solution. And I really recommend per, from my personal experience. And like Ellie said, it's not one size fits all, you know, everybody has a different way, but the, her, her way, um, for me was, was great. I, I highly, highly recommend it. Absolutely. Well, we'll be right back. Thank you for sharing that story, Bianca. I feel like the warrior woman. Woohoo! Go mama <laughs> success. You. Uh, we will be right back. My mom and bomb has a little story that goes with it. <laughs> I was having a moment when I was in New York and I was feeling a little stifled professionally and just like, I feel like I haven't done that thing that's really like gotten my creative juices flowing. And so I have this really dear friend of mine who is constantly creating and making. And I said to him, um, you know, I, I got to find something creative to do. I need to get in and, and, you know, play and mold and do something, film something, write something. I got to be creative. And, um, I was like moment of silence and he goes, what's more creative than being a parent. And I, it like stopped me in my tracks kind of, because I was like, it's so true that there, there really isn't anything more creative in, in improvising, in coming up with day to day, um, 
the ability to, to just go with the flow and be there and be present and, um, to, that, that you get to just be with this little creature or creatures and to witness them bringing their own ideas and views into the world. And you get to just play with that and, and be a part of that. And so my mom bomb actually could be two mom bombs because number one is what's more creative than being a parent. And also, um, there's this quote that I love, um, by this philosopher Osho, um, who I've read a lot of his books and he was a very controversial, uh, he was very outspoken and against politicians and religion and, um, and also just kind of, some people think he was part of a little cult, but I've always been so inspired reading, um, his books. What was the cult? (laughs) Was it his own cult? It was his own cult. Yeah. It was like, he just, he, he had this little commune up in, um, Oregon and uh he had like Bentleys and stuff. Oh I like it. That's my kind of cult. And he was like yeah, and he had like a bathroom that was um entirely like uh, like plated in gold. Um but he but he preached like giving up all your belongings and whatnot. So it's very, I love it's it. very controversial. You give everything um, up to me. Um this bathroom was built on gold and prayers. And so what's his name again? Osho. How do you spell that? Do you have any? O-S-H-O. Okay. O-S-H-O. Okay. So what is his, impart his wisdom on us. Yeah. So this quote is, to be creative means to be in love with life. You can be creative only if you love life enough that you want to enhance its beauty. You want to bring a little more music to it, a little more poetry to it, a little more dance to it. And, you know, I feel like our children, big or small, give us an opportunity to, to bring more dancing and more laughter and more music um, every day if we're just able to be there and present with them. And I know sometimes you just want to pull your hair out, but I feel like that is such a calming, like it really helped me over the kind of the last week to just focus on that and be there with her. And, and, um, and so that's my mom bomb. It's beautiful. Thank you. What's your mom's session? Okay, so my mom's session comes to us from Wendy Haldeman. We had her as a guest a few episodes back. You should check it out, the Pump Station episode. She is a lactation consultant along with her business partner, Corky, and they've come out with their Baby Care 101 DVD that we mentioned on the show. So here's a cool thing. The DVD is normally $49.99, but they're running a special right now for $29.99, and What's cool about it is it's this DVD, or you can just stream it on your computer, and it's Baby Care 101, the ultimate baby care education. And I love their tagline is, become a better parent in one day. Um, and it is a really good idea for a baby shower gift, and it, it's how to help your baby fall asleep, how to stop them crying, how to give them their first bath, breastfeeding and bottle feeding, um, everything you need to know to get your baby to thrive. And I have just found them... Uh, to be such an incredible resource for me. And I was watching part of the video and I love it. Like the best trick I think I learned in the early days. I mean, you have to learn so much so fast. But one that they taught me at the pump station was when I would put Sabrina in her car seat and she gets so mad. This is when she's really itty bitty and the car seat actually comes in the house with you, which is like crazy at this point for me because now she's a huge one that always stays in the car. But put her in the car seat and then on the big birthing ball or like the big exercise ball to like bounce her in it to calm her down oh, yeah. and it always worked and they are just full of these types of tricks um 
I know Ricky Lake plugged them for this project. Oh, yeah, here we go. Ricky Lake says, uh, finally, a baby care and breastfeeding video showing the how-tos with real babies, real parents, and real techniques that work. Um, there, uh, and then Dr. Harvey Karp, another super practical piece of parenting advice by the great team of the Pump Station Nursery and Kids in the House. So they're just awesome. And, of course, Jessica Alba. I mean, they're very well connected in this town um, because they create a service for moms that is so useful. So check it out. Go to kidsinthehouse.com and then it's Baby Care 101 for the deal. And so that's my mom session. I love it. We we have our, our big fans of the pump station and all their all their offshoots. They've been uh, they've been so good to us not only on this podcast but also as parents. So um, we always love supporting them. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's it for That's this it. this episode of Atomic Moms. And by our- the way, can I just pat us on the back because we have done a new episode every week since when? Since we started, except for two ep- two weeks. We've only taken two weeks off ever <laughs> since we started this podcast, which is kind of crazy. It is crazy. It's nuts. And I was thinking about that too when I went on iTunes uh, one day and I was looking at how many podcast we have up and I was like that's pretty crazy um considering that we are moms and we work and uh there's other life going on so yay for us yay yay, uh, yay for our listeners yeah um, woohoo yay listeners for, for showing up and tuning in and you know giving us um you guys by the way I just want to say I'm so impressed it's been so awesome the outreach on Facebook and on iTunes. The comments you guys are rocking it. I feel like you heard us and you got on there and rallied. And so thanks for that. It makes us feel really good to to be able to you know look and see that there are real physical beings out there. <laughs> I know it's so crazy. Um, I texted Bianca the other day because I was getting a pedicure. I was treating myself to a pedicure and I was on Instagram on Atomic Moms and I started to look at all the moms that liked our pictures on Instagram. And it was so fun to like look at all the like baby pictures of all of our listeners. And I was like, wow, people are listening to us. (laughs) This is so cool. And they're living these beautiful lives and they have such gorgeous children. And um, that was really fun to sort of you know, we're always asking people to look at our Instagram, but what a neat tool to be able to sort of like look into the lives of um, the people that are responding to what we're saying. Um, so oh, it made thanks. me feel closer to you guys. Well, you guys uh, have a great week. And remember, trust in your goodness, live, live out your greatness. grace, and rock on. Atomic Bomb! If you like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the sideshow network have launched a new youtube channel called wait for it it's got interviews with comedians like reggie watts todd glass liza schleisinger slicing driving friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. 
few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.